Welcome to the Dream Job System, the only podcast that provides proven tangible strategies to help you land a job you love without traditional experience and without applying online. Get ready to level up your job search with your host, Austin Belsack. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dream Job System podcast. I'm your host, Austin Belsack, and today is the last day of 2021. So that means this is the last Ask Austin Anything episode of 2021 and the last episode of this podcast for 2021. So I just want to take a second to say thank you and just reflect back because I'm so, so grateful for you for listening to this podcast. We started this a year ago. It's been a crazy time. We just cracked 140,000 downloads on the podcast, which I think is pretty insane for one year. And just putting these episodes out, you know, they're short, they're sweet. Hopefully they're actionable. That's the point. But I'm so grateful that you decide to download this and not just download it, but you decide to listen in. And for all the folks who send in questions for the Ask Us and Anything episodes, I really extra appreciate you too, because these episodes have been some of my favorites of the podcast. I look forward to doing them every single month. They let me answer questions and talk about stuff that don't necessarily fit directly under the umbrella of how to land jobs without applying online. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they're fun. Like what's my favorite pizza or what's my favorite beer? What's my favorite browser plugin, which is a spoiler for this episode. But I so appreciate all of you for listening, for tuning in, and for supporting this podcast. And I hope that you have some awesome plans to celebrate tonight, whether it's low-key with people you love or whether it's going out and having an absolute blast. Both of those are totally valid as long as you are in your space with your people and you're having fun. And on top of that, I hope you have some awesome plans for 2022. If you're on the job search, which I imagine many of you are listening to this podcast, I am wishing you a ton of success. We have a ton of awesome resources coming out in 2022 to help you get there. But I have no doubt that if you execute on these strategies and you make that commitment to yourself, you're going to land something that you love. And 2022 is going to be the best year yet. I know we say that every year, but I'm really, really feeling good about it this year. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode. The first question that we have here comes from Donna. And Donna asks, did you ever consider becoming a product manager? You seem to have a lot of the qualities that make for a great PM. Examples being data-driven, having an entrepreneurial spirit, and being customer or user-focused. So this is a great question, Donna. I really appreciate it. And you're totally right. There is a lot of overlap between product management and entrepreneurship. A lot of the things that you mentioned come into play for both of them. But the biggest difference and the biggest reason why I personally did not want to become a product manager is the setup around your role. So what I mean by that is when you're a product manager, you are an internal employee and you're typically internally facing. Yes, you may interface with some customers through surveys, or maybe you sit down with them or somebody on your team does, but by and large, you're interfacing with a lot of folks internally. And you are part of the organizational hierarchy, right? So you have a boss and they have a boss and there are probably some people on your team that you're managing or you're cross-functionally collaborating with people on other teams and basically managing all those people to get the products done, to get everything shipped on time. And that's not the best fit for me. So I operate really, really well when I own 100% of my outcomes, when I know that the work that I do is going to directly relate to the results and therefore the earnings and everything else that come along with that. Where I struggle is when I have to rely on other folks to do some of these tasks. And that's why I never really got into some of these internal facing roles. So when I worked in corporate, my job was a sales focused role. So I owned 100% of my outcomes, you know, Microsoft or whatever company would give me a number. 
And it was on me to go hit that number. And if I hit that number, I got paid. And if I did better, I got paid even more, right? So I owned 100% of my outcomes. And that's really why I thrived in those roles. I wouldn't have been good in some of these other roles where I was sort of an internal facing person and my whole job was to interact with other internal facing people. And I had a manager who was pushing their goals on me and I couldn't really control 100% of the outcomes because those outcomes were dependent on other people's actions. So some people are really, really, really good at that. And those are the people that tend to make for great product managers or great managers in general. But that's not where I thrive. That's not a huge strength of mine. So that's why I didn't go the route of really any role that was focused on internal stakeholders and was reliant on other folks' actions for my success. So by no means am I saying product management's a bad place to be. It is an awesome place to be. It's such a fun role. The people I know who have moved into that space or who have been in that space and have done the work to recognize that it aligns with their values absolutely love being product managers. It just wasn't for me. And as you pointed out, a lot of the things that you would do as a PM, I get to do as an entrepreneur and I still get to own 100% of my outcome. So really at the end of the day, that's the biggest reason that I wanted to become an entrepreneur because I could focus on the things that I wanted to do, the actions that I wanted to take, the things that give me energy, and I was responsible for 100% of my outcome. So awesome question, Donna. Thank you so much. And I hope you have an awesome new year. Our next question comes from Charlie. Charlie's asking, if you're feeling burned out, is it better to take a break from the job hunt, completely reevaluate what you want, or just keep slogging through, keep doing what you've been doing? So I'm so glad that this question was asked because mental health during the job search is such an important thing that is constantly overlooked or brushed under the rug. I hear from so many job seekers who are burnt out, who are just fed up with the process, who are really, really feeling it on the mental side of things, but they keep trying to push through because that's what people tell them that they're supposed to do, or that's the environment that's been created around them. And I think we've either all been there or we've seen somebody who's been there, or we can empathize where somebody, let's say, doesn't have a job at the moment, or they work in a toxic culture. And all you can think about is getting into that new job, because if you're in a toxic culture, you show up to work every day, your manager treats you like crap or your teammates or your clients or whoever it is treats you like crap. And you're just like, God, I have to get out of here. And I need to keep pushing as hard as I can to make it happen as quickly as I can. And the same goes for, you know, the folks who are potentially unemployed or in a situation where their friends or their family are telling them, well, you need to keep the pedal to the metal. You need to keep pushing, right? Maybe it's their significant other too. This can come from so many places and it typically comes from the people that we know and that we're close to. And that's really, really tough because when everybody else is telling you, you need to keep pushing forward, you don't feel like you have permission to take a break. And that's really damaging because when you're totally maxed, when there's nothing left in the gas tank and you keep trying to push forward, that's where the burnout happens. That's where the mental breakdowns happen. That's where we really start to suffer. And we don't want to get to that place. So I'm here to tell you two things. First, the only person's permission that you need to take a break during the job search is your own. You do not need anyone else's approval or permission. They can go kick rocks. If you want to take a break, if you feel that you need a break, then you can take that break. And the second thing is, if you need permission from somebody else that's not you, you're getting it right now. I am giving you permission to take a break. And if anybody tells you that you shouldn't take a break, that you should keep pushing forward, send them this podcast, tell them that Austin, who is a career coach, recommended that I take a break because I need it. So this is your permission. Now, why should you take a break? What's the importance here? 
the first piece is obvious. You need to recharge, right? You need to get your brain and shut it off and rejuice it and just take a step back because otherwise you're going to suffer. And one of the most interesting things is that we tend to operate best when we are moving at 80%. But the problem is a lot of us as job seekers move at 100% all the time. And that's essentially like sprinting a marathon. I know that's a cliche metaphor, but that's exactly what's going on here because job searches take several months, right? They can take a minimum of, you know, one to two months if you're super, super lucky and the stars align and everything checks out. And that's probably only going to happen once ever in your career if it does at all. But the average is five months, right? So if you try to cook it at 100% for five months, you are going to burn out. And that is not sustainable. So you need to take breaks. So one of the most interesting things, my wife was a physical therapist uh, early on in her career, and she has a doctorate in physical therapy, and she treated these patients who ran marathons. And what she found was that the people who had this specific rule actually did better than the other folks who didn't. And that rule was they would walk through every water station. So every time there was a water station on the course, they would pull over to the side, they would walk through the water station, they would have a sip of water, and then they would start running again. And those people actually got better times on average than the folks who just tried to book it at 100% for the entire marathon. And that's exactly what we're doing here. I want you to take that water break. So whatever it is, if it's a day, if it's two days, if you need a whole week, take a step back, give yourself that permission, shut everything down for the job search and just do stuff that's meaningful to you. Read a book, take a walk, go to a coffee shop, go meet up with friends, like just kick back and watch the game. Whatever it is that you do to recharge, you need to take the time to do that because then when you come back to the job search, your gas tank is full again. You're feeling a little bit better. You may not feel 100%. You may not be super, super motivated to re-enter the job search again after the break, and that's normal, but you will have more gas in the tank to push through, and that's going to help you see better outcomes. So Charlie, thank you so much for asking this question. I think it's so important that we talk about this stuff and we normalize the fact that job searching is a really mentally draining activity, and we need to take breaks in order for us to stay mentally healthy. So thank you again, Charlie. I hope you have an awesome new year. Our next question comes from Kurt. And Kurt is asking, are there one or two things you commonly see that hold people back from landing their jobs? So Kurt asked this in a comment on one of my LinkedIn posts, and I loved it. So I asked him if I could share it in the podcast here, and he said yes. So Kurt, thank you so much for for asking this question. I think this is a great one. There are two specific things that I see that hold most people back that I talk to. So when we look at the whole pool of candidates and job seekers out there, there are two things that are really a common thread across most of them who are not seeing the results they want. The first thing is that these people continue to buy into processes that don't work. So really, really great job seekers, what they do is they go out and they experiment. So they say, I'm going to try every single channel. I'm going to apply online. I'm going to network with folks. I'm going to send cold emails to strangers. I'm going to try engaging with people on LinkedIn. Maybe I even try creating my own content. I'm going to engage with recruiters. They do all of these things. And then what they do is they set specific criteria for success. So they want to get a critical mass. They want to get a decent sample size here. So they're not just cold emailing five people and giving up. They're not just applying to five jobs online and giving up. But what they're saying is, I'm going to invest a certain amount in this strategy. So I'm going to apply to 100 jobs online. I'm going to email 100 people. I'm going to talk to 20 or 30 recruiters. And then what they do is they track the outcome. So how many interviews did this generate? How many conversations did this generate? How many job offers did this generate? And then what they do is they go back and they say, okay, 
after my certain set criteria, after my 100 apps or 100 emails, let me look back and see what the success rates are. And then what they do is they iterate and they say, okay, this channel clearly isn't working for me. I applied to 100 jobs online. I got zero interviews. That doesn't seem like a channel that I want to keep investing in. Whereas I sent 100 cold emails, I got five replies, and three of those turned into interviews. So maybe I want to double down there. Maybe I want to reallocate my time. That's what great job seekers do. But what most job seekers do is they just keep investing in a system that's not working. And that system tends to be the online application process. So they show up every single day and they look for new jobs on LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever it is. And they put up their resume, they click apply and they rinse and repeat. And they just do that every single day. And then 100 or 200 or 300 applications later, when they still haven't gotten any interviews, they still show back up and they invest in that same system. So I'm not here to tell you that you should never, ever totally avoid a system from the get-go. That is terrible advice. Instead, what I'm telling you that you should do if you want to be effective is that you should try every single channel that's out there, including applying for jobs online. But you need to set a specific line. You need to draw a line in the sand and say, after I've done this X number of times, I'm going to reflect back, reflect back on the results. And if the results are not what I was hoping for, or they're not realistic, and they're not coming through in the way that I expected, I'm going to go to a different channel and I'm going to go focus on a channel that's working. And if I don't know what other channel is working, I'm going to find new channels to try and invest in, right? So they're constantly experimenting, they're constantly iterating, and they're constantly taking time from processes that aren't working and moving that, reallocating that into processes that are working. So that's the first thing. The second thing is too many job seekers believe that a resume is all you need to win. I see so much content on LinkedIn and on Google and on these blogs and everywhere else about resumes. There's an entire field dedicated specifically to resume writing because there's this idea that resumes are the single key to a great job. So if you get an awesome resume, if you can write it yourself or you pay somebody to write it, all of a sudden the interviews will flow in and the job offers will flow in. And that's simply not true. A resume is just one tiny piece of the entire job search. When you think about the whole deal, right? We have resumes, we have your LinkedIn profile, we also have your LinkedIn presence, which includes engaging with other people, which includes creating content. We also have uh, informational interviews. We have networking, right? We have who you know at the company. And then we have the actual interviews themselves, how well you present yourself, right? Your resume gets you in the door, but then you actually need to sell yourself face-to-face -face with this person who is in a position to hire you and you need to beat out your competition. There are so many facets to the job search. Those are just a few. There's so many more that I didn't even mention. Having a great resume is obviously a big boost in your job search, but it is not even close to the only thing that you need to be successful. So once you have that great resume, you need to start looking around to the other channels, the other areas that you need to improve on, and you need to iterate through them as we talked about in step one, and you need to figure out a process, a recipe that works for you. The last thing I'll say about resumes is that as you get deeper into the hiring process, you run into more qualified competition, right? So everybody who applies for the job, you know, 250, 300 people, whatever it is, there are a lot of people who are qualified and a lot of people who are not. But then as you get to the phone screen, more of those qualified people are, are concentrated into this process. And then as we get to the second round and the third round and the final round, 
the qualification level goes up of these candidates. So the competition gets stronger. So if you're simply competing on the exact same things that these other people are, which is usually a resume and some of their interview answers, it's hard to stand out. So what you need to do is find different ways to stand out, different ways to win. This is one of the areas and reasons that I love value validation projects because nobody else is doing them and they really help you stand out from the crowd. So Kurt, thank you so much for that question, man. Keep up the great work on LinkedIn. I love the brand that you're building, moving out of the cooking space and following your passion. So keep it up and have an awesome new year. Jasmine has our next question here. And Jasmine's asking, do you feel like there's an element of luck that's needed when it comes to job searching, aka being in the right place at the right time? Or does having the right system completely solve for that? And this is another awesome question. And the big reason that I wanted to tackle this is because we need to normalize the fact that there is some luck involved in success across the board, right? So if you look at any CEO out there, if you look at any successful entrepreneur, if you look at anybody who has gotten in the door and has worked their way all the way up, there's two components to this. There is the work that they've put in. They've probably been working their butt off. They've probably been really, really focused on honing their craft and really becoming a master of the field that they're in. And then there's also some luck, right? There is that right place, right time situation that comes up for many of these folks that you see. But a lot of those right time, right place, quote, lucky situations are the product of the work that they've done to get there, right? So I'll give you an example from the job search. If I'm a job seeker and I'm solely focused on applying online, I'm not really creating the space for opportunities to come in from other folks who might be, you know, referrals or open to informational interviews, right? But if I'm a job seeker who is applying online and reaching out to five new contacts every day, I've all of a sudden created this space where some of those five new contacts can reply to me, right? And sure, some of that may feel lucky, like, oh man, that person replied to me, I feel so lucky. But that never would have happened if I didn't create that space by sending out those cold emails. So luck is definitely a huge factor in success. But as the old saying goes, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And what that means is that the more opportunities that you give for yourself or the more space that you create for opportunities to come your way, the more opportunities will come your way, right? So this is why it's so important to going back to the answer I gave earlier, to open your mind and to explore all of the channels that are available to you. Yes, it may take more time. Yes, you put yourself at risk for maybe more rejection or making more mistakes or whatever it is. But by opening that space up, you're creating that space for more opportunities to come in. And that's what I've seen these highly successful people do. They're not married to one system. They're not married to one specific focus. They don't have tunnel vision. Instead, they're saying, I am going to do all of these different things because I know if I do them, one, you know, I'm taking an educated guess and I'm making sure that they're aligned with my space. But if I do them, I know that there is a greater chance for an opportunity to come my way. And yes, that probably will be a lucky opportunity. But the only reason that that luck was available to me was because I created the space for it. So I hope that makes sense. But to kind of summarize and answer the question, Jasmine, yes, there is luck involved in the job search and there is luck involved in success. But if we create the space for more of that luck to come our way, we are going to inherently be luckier. So thank you for asking that question. Our next question comes from Madeline and Madeline's asking, what is your favorite browser plugin? So this is an easy one for me right now. It is Loom. So if you haven't used Loom, Loom is a Chrome extension and it basically allows you to record your screen 
and or your face at the same time. And this is massively helpful for so many reasons. I literally use this multiple times every single day for a variety of different reasons. So one, I love Loom for explanations, right? If a job seeker or a client asks me a question, rather than typing out this massive, you know, 10 paragraph email, I can record a two to five minute video and I can send it to them. And recording the video is so much easier for me, but it's also a nice personal touch when I send it to that person, right? Or let's say that I want to say thank you to somebody, uh, right? Maybe somebody on LinkedIn did something for me, or maybe, you know, somebody sent me a gift or whatever it is, rather than just typing a thank you note, I can say thank you to them face to face using Loom. They have a camera only option that just shows your face. So this is such an awesome way to say thank you to folks. It's also an awesome way to stand out in your outreach. If you're reaching out to people, a video tends to get a lot more engagement. So you can record a video with Loom. There's a whole bunch of other ways that you can use Loom uh, to really, really be more efficient and productive in your day. But it's absolutely my favorite browser plugin right now. If you're not using it, I would highly recommend it. Just go to loomloom.com. You can download it. It's 100% free. They do have paid options, but you probably don't need them uh, if you're a job seeker, if you're not using it in a more like enterprise or robust fashion. So Madeline, thank you for the question. I hope you have an awesome new year. And our last question comes from Jason. So Jason said he's following up on a previous episode where I shared my favorite pumpkin ale. And he's asking, what is my favorite holiday beer? He says, mine is Celebration from Sierra Nevada. So Celebration is awesome. That fresh hop, uh, it's super, super good. I would have to say that my favorite holiday beer, um, it's kind of cliche at this point, but it is the, the Goose Island uh, Bourbon Country Stout. So I got turned on to this beer a couple of years ago. I'd been looking for it everywhere. It's become much more mainstream recently and, and much easier to get. Um, so I ended up picking up some a couple of years ago and I tried it and it was just phenomenal. But uh, it's heavy. It weighs in, I think, at 14.6% ABV. So we're not drinking it you know, all year round casually. So I really do like to save it up for the holidays. And we have a bit of a vertical in the basement. I think I have the last three years or so. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and keep that running so we can age a little bit of them. But I always look forward to the holidays because you can crack one of those open. Uh, the fire's going, you know, you drink it over a couple of hours. It's not something that you're just like drinking in 30 minutes. Um, and it just really gives you all the, the holiday feels in my opinion. So that would be my favorite beer uh, to celebrate the holidays with. So thanks again, Jason, for, for asking the question. I hope you have an awesome new year. And that wraps up our Ask Austin Anything for 2021. That wraps up the podcast for 2021. Again, I really appreciate y'all listening in. I really appreciate you supporting with the downloads and the listens. I'm so excited to see where this podcast goes in 2022. If you have any feedback for me for the podcast, feel free to let me know. We're always trying to improve. If you think that we need you know, better sound quality or more episodes or different topics or whatever it is, just shoot me a note at austinacultivatedculture.com or send me a text and let me know what you think. And as always, if you have questions for the Ask Austin Anything episodes, do the same thing. Send me a note, send me a text, ask me your question. That's how we got Donna in here. That's how we got many of these people whose questions I asked uh, or answered on this podcast. So don't be shy. I want to make sure that you get direct answers to your question. So I'm looking forward to seeing all of your questions in 2022. I'm wishing you a ton of success in 2022. And last but not least, I hope you have an awesome rest of your New Year's Eve. I hope you have great plans to celebrate. And I'll talk to you in the next episode of the podcast podcast.